What up? New podcast here on your Monday, as promised. I was able to snag one of the, in my opinion, one of the best sports writers in the country, John Wilner from the Mercury News, but he's syndicated all over the West Coast. He's kind of Mr. Pac-12 in the in the media. He breaks all sorts of stories, really good stuff. And I wanted to get more insight on, you know, where these 10 Pac-12, remaining Pac-12 schools stand. How do they view the Big 12? What are, the cultural differences between the two leagues? Why, um, you know, why would these four corner schools want to stay in the Big 12, right? There's more to it than what we can just look at here in Iowa and in Big 12 country and go like, uh, there's just more to it, right? There's always more to these things. And John knows as well as anybody, very connected guy, really good guy. I really enjoyed this podcast and I learned a lot and I think that you guys will too. Let's check it out. And I want you to please tweet at him as well and thank him for coming on the podcast. Let's show him um, Iowa State fans are, are good folks. Thank him for coming on the podcast. I think you guys will really enjoy it. At Wilner Hotline on Twitter. At Wilner Hotline on Twitter. Enjoy it. Here you go. My conversation with Pac-12 writer John Wilner on the Psych One Fanatic Podcast Network. Well, the guy joining me today, uh, I've looked up to for a really long time. He's one of the really good uh, beat writers in college football. And um, I've read his work for, I don't know, as, as long as I could on the internet, you can follow him on Twitter at Wilner Hotline. He is the best out in the Pac-12. John Wilner joins me. And I, I John, it's funny. I was reading your latest hotline mailbag, and it, it seems like you're getting a lot of the flack from the Big 12 fans that I'm getting from a lot of Pac-12 fans. It's funny how that works out, isn't it, my friend? Yeah, it's all part of the... <laughs> machinery of college football, right? I mean, it's essential to the sport. Uh, the success of the sport is the passion of the fans. Yeah, it's uh, especially the realignment deal. Um, I, I, I really, I'm fascinated by this topic, and I, I got started. So when I when I started CycloneFanatic.com, and it was 2009, the, the Big 12 missile crisis is what I refer to it as. Um, heated up in 2010, right? And I know you were in the middle of covering that. And really from that point on, I've just been fascinated by it. I was very selfish at the time because I'm like, oh man, if this thing, if Iowa State ends up in the Mac, you know, I'm probably not going to have this, this, this career, this website, right? So I got very emotionally attached to the topic. But it kind of fits in just everything that people are obsessed with. You've got gossip, you've got rumors, you've got sports, you've got politics. It's kind of the perfect storm for for a lot of misinformation and people just to go wild. Yeah, nothing. There is no topic in college football that, that generates interest uh, like realignment. And it's also the hardest thing to cover if you're a reporter or a member of the media. By far, you know, it's not like, you know, is uh, is my quarterback going to play or not because of that rolled ankle? It's not like is the five-star kid going to Alabama or Ohio State? It is a whole different level of complexity, uh, which makes it just incredibly vulnerable for misinformation and gossip, right? Because you have yeah. got so many pieces involved. It's 
It's the head coach. It's the athletic director. It's the university president or chancellor. It is the board of trustees. It is the board of regents. It is state politicians. It is donors. There are considerations about academics, considerations about money, considerations about football, Olympic sports. It has everything, which makes it incredibly fascinating, incredibly complex, and you know, incredibly fluid. That I think is also the the key point about realignment. You just you never know what's going to happen until it happens. So w- with that, l- let's go back to I-, I guess about a month ago, a little over a month ago, when this this Pac-12 news with USC and UCLA breaks, and th- and that's really where this this round all all begins. So again, I've covered the Big Twelve. This will be my 18th year, and it's been constant, right? Like nothing realignment wise. the The Texas Oklahoma news was surprising as to when it happened, but there's always been these rumblings. the The league has never been what I would call like sound, where you're just like you don't have to think about it. Did Did that come completely out of the blue for you, or had you started hearing? you know, that this league wasn't exactly rock solid sometime before that? Boy, um, I mean, I would say that's a a tough answer. I I felt like the league was pretty solid, but at the same time, I've been trying to track USC situation since last summer. Because to me, what had happened on June 30th of this year began, what was it, July, whatever the news broke, July 20th of last year with Texas and Oklahoma, right? The the Big Ten at that point felt like it needed to answer the SEC. Fox needed to answer ESPN. I think that's a huge point that we probably ought to get into a little bit is the role that the Fox and ESPN play in all this, right? Absolutely. Um, So I was, you know, keeping tabs on it uh, for the whole Last 10, 10 months, checking with people. Are you hearing anything? No. About SC? No, no, nothing. Everything seems solid. And then, uh, lo and behold, on, on June 30th, there it is, right? And the, the number of people who knew in the Big Ten, who knew at SC, you know, you basically count on one, one or two hands. The piece that really surprised me was UCLA because I did not expect the Bruins would be able to separate from Cal, given that they're in the same university system and the impact that UCLA's departure would have on Cal. And as it turns out, the only way the Bruins were going to be able to get out of the Pac-12 was to do it, you know, super secret and not tell the, the folks that they were supposed to, you know, be transparent with, with the University of California Regents, right? It was all done on the down low was the only way they were going to be able to do it. And we see that now because of the blowback (laughs) that they're facing now that it has become public. They've got a a big date coming up August 17th where they've got to justify the move to the University of California Regents. I don't think it's going to get blocked, uh, but it's certainly getting messy for UCLA. And and the only way it it was going to be able to avoid that messiness was by doing it in secret Uh, and, and, the fact that they did it in secret is, you know, that was the surprise, right? That I just did not expect UCLA. I thought uh, at some point USC is going to leave. I did not think it'd be U, uh, UCLA, though. Yeah. No, it, it totally makes sense. So here we are now where the Pac-12 is 
I, I believe you reported that it it had extended its nego- exclusive negotiating window. I think that's the case. Okay. I haven't confirmed it and and have not reported this fact, but I suspect that that's what's going on. Okay, so that but that that's really the key. Regardless, is this ESPN and Fox thing? The Big Twelve got caught up in this last year, where Bob Bullsby, uh, another old uh, Pac twelve guy, I'm sure you covered him with, with at Stanford for years. Um, he got pretty uh, salty with ESPN after Texas and Oklahoma leave. Um, I mean, that's really what's happening here, right? Right, John? I mean, it's just these networks calling the shots. And I find it interesting that George Klyakov last week says something similar to what Brett Yormark told me at Big 12 Media Days, talking about these these digital players, right? So what is um, – I don't know what 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 are, what do you feel like the chances because it's all about revenue where an Amazon or an Apple could be kind of the knight in shining armor for these I don't know second tier conferences I guess is the best way to put the Big Twelve and the Pac twelve at this point but I thought Klyakov's comments uh, a week ago were really interesting that he he not only you know mentioned it but he says I expect that to be a part of our deal. It was interesting and I I think that. There's a chance that Amazon or Apple might be involved. I, I think what happens with the Big Ten here in these next couple of weeks will probably provide us a little bit of a roadmap for what's going to happen to the Pac-12 and, and even the Big 12. Uh, but it's also possible that when he says we're going to have, it's highly likely we're going to have a you know major digital player, that he's talking about ESPN+. Plus, right? That's, yeah, yeah. That is the other. Or, or Peacock, Paramount, you know, the NBC or CBS digital uh, platforms, right? Fox does not yet have a digital platform. Turner, and I, because I think Turner could end up being a player for the Pac 12 rights uh, and Big 12. They, they're not really big on the digital side. But but ESPN Plus seems to me like that's, that's, could be where this whole thing is going. So when he said it, uh, you could take it one of two ways, I, I guess, on that front. But it is certainly going to be part. I know ESPN Plus is part of the Big 12's deal now, and, and it's just going to keep growing because that's that's where they're headed. Can you help me and, and our listeners kind of understand the the culture of the Pac-12? I, I think we're. <laughs> I think it's a kind of a when 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 I'm watching the fans on Twitter and whatnot. I think a lot of this is natural. I think there's very different cultures in these two leagues. Um, I'll give you real quick on what I see with the Big 12 right now is you have, again, a league that has been through realignment for 15 years. And you kind of are at the point where you've got these 12 schools going forward that have all been told, no, we don't want you, no, no, no. And now they are very much galvanized together and unified in that sense because you've been shut out and you've been on this other side of it for that for so long. Um, help me understand the Pac-12 because it's a much more academically oriented conference. I, I do know that. Um, what I'm what I'm confused about, John, is just again as an outsider looking in. It seems very precarious to me that Washington and Oregon specifically, I think I could throw Stanford into the mix, you know, would love to get into that, get one of those Big Ten offers. Uh, I don't understand why people think the Big Ten's just going to up and offer Oregon now when they're about ready to announce a new TV deal. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But if I'm Arizona, just 
or Colorado, I'm sitting there going, well, yeah, the first chance you guys get, you're going to leave us, and then we're going to be stranded. So why – this is what Big 12 fans are having a hard time understanding. Why would, let's say, Arizona and Colorado, I think they're the two natural ones to throw out there. What about the Pac-12, like, going forward makes it a much – you know, a better option than than a Big 12, given that it seems to be fairly unstable with the status of Oregon and Washington specifically? Yeah, great question. And that's, you know, there's a lot to that, right? First, I don't think Oregon, Washington, or Stanford, they're not going to the Big Ten right now. Big Ten's about to sign their deal. Notre Dame's not going anywhere. So I agree. they don't really have an, they don't have an option now. Maybe they'll have an option in two or three years but maybe not. So it's a a very tricky situation for the schools and for the conference as it tries to figure out some kind of grant of rights contract that is going to provide flexibility for Oregon and Washington and Stanford and provide security for the four corners schools, right? That's to me, that's the, the real issue. Um, And that's why I don't know that, uh, you know, I've been, publishing a, a, you know, Las Vegas line on the Pac-12 future. And I've got right now, I've got Pac-12 survival as a four-point neutral field favorite <laughs> over Pac-12 extinction, right? I think the Pac-12 sticking together is more likely than the Pac-12 dissolving, but it's it's hardly a guarantee, right? I mean, a four-point favorite, that's not that much. Yeah. Uh, and the reason for that is because of that stability piece, Right. I don't think any of the Pac-12 schools want to go to the Big 12. I think they want a reason to stay together. And that reason is going to depend on the perception of stability and the, the revenue piece, right? Because, you know, take Arizona, for instance, right? Certainly, from a basketball standpoint, Arizona fits great in the Big 12, right? Big 12 is a phenomenal basketball league, and Arizona is the only – well, besides UCLA, is the only basketball first school in the Pac Pac twelve, mm-hmm. right? But you know, the Arizona's got all their alumni on the West Coast, right? They've got yeah. uh, their their president is a Stanford guy. They associate the, the 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 orbit of that university looks looks left, looks to the West. Yeah. Not it doesn't look to Waco and Ames and all that. Yeah. So that's, I just think the, the, those fourth quarter schools want a reason to stay in, in the Pac-12, which is why I have survival as a, as a slight favorite. But I don't think it's guaranteed by any stretch. And I, do, and I believe that if they are not satisfied in longer-term stability, that they, they might seriously consider leaving. Now, one piece to it is the timing of the contracts, Right. The Pac-12's advantage is that it can get bids from ESPN or Fox or whoever, and it can take written offers to the schools and say, here's the deal. The Big 12 can't do that for two years. All the Big 12 can do is say, you know what, Arizona, you know what, Colorado, here's what the projections are when you join. But that's different than having a written offer, right? Uh, I just don't. And, and the bottom line for me, I'm sorry to ramble. No, it's this great stuff. I think the, the important yeah. point, the real important point to me, and this has been lost on social media despite my best efforts, is, is that there's not that much difference between the two conferences, right? 
Correct. The Big 12 dominated the narrative immediately after June 30th, right? I mean, you had reports, Big 12's thinking about adding these four schools, and you had Brent Yormark's comments about being open for business. And the Pac-12 sat there for four weeks and didn't say a word. And partly, part of the reason it didn't say a word is because it was unstable and nobody knew what was going to happen. But it seeded this narrative that the Big 12 was going to raid, that the Big 12 was the, the place to be. And I just think that it's not a no-brainer that the Big 12, especially on the revenue front, is is a much better place for these schools. I think it's very close. I think it's the, the revenue, you know, the TV dollars is close. Competitively, it's close. Uh, uh, and that is what makes me think the Pac-12 has got a, a, you know, a chance to stick together is those schools know it's not like going into the big 10 for UCLA where you're doubling your money. Mm -hmm. The the difference is on the margins. So if it's on the margins and you're Arizona or Arizona state, and you're thinking about all your alumni in California and you're thinking about, do I want to send my tennis team to, uh, you know, at Orlando and Cincinnati, uh, you know what? I'm not sure that it's worth it because you got to deal with all those, you know, the, the travel costs and all the extra stuff that goes into switching a conference that's based in the Southern Plains. So it's close. And those two conferences, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and the ACC, they are so much closer to each other than they are to the SEC and Big 10. You know, they're like fraternal twins. Mm-hmm. Whereas the SEC and Big Ten, that's a different family, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I get back to is there's not really that much difference. So, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. You're you're kind of a proponent of some. I I don't know if the word merger is is perfect, oh, but you're kind I'm of all a, over that. Yeah, you're a proponent of this, right? I've been I've been pushing a Pac-12 Big 12 merger for three years. I talked to Bob Bowlesby about it in 2019. Why don't the two conferences join forces? It didn't have to be a full-on merger, but I thought that they should create a scheduling alliance that would lock up three time zones, satisfy ESPN and Fox. You could play quadruple headers if you start a little early in the Big 12 campuses, and you marginalize the ACC. And you've got stability in case Texas and Oklahoma leave or the LA schools leave. you still got these whatever there would be 22 schools. Now still got 22 schools that would have, you know, a strength in numbers and, and have contractual commitments to each other that, and to the, the network partners. I've been pushing this for three years and I, I don't think it's going to happen at this point, especially given the back and forth between the commissioners. It certainly doesn't seem likely, but to me that would have been by far the best move. And I got the sense from Bowlesby, that, you know, he thought it was a pretty good idea, too, but he just couldn't get much traction. And yeah. again, you know, it was a lot harder to get traction with anything when Texas was there. Well, that's what everything you're saying makes sense to me. And it, it's one of the weird things about the last month. I, I just I feel like both of these leagues have spent a lot of time, you know, mainly the Pac-12. The Big 12 was talking, but it was more vague. Right. Um, your mark didn't single out the Pac-12, but he didn't really have any reason to either. I mean, clearly when he says he's open for business, we all knew what he was talking about. Yep. Um, <laughs> you know, it just seems like um, 
the 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 little guys at the bar are spending too much time chirping at each other when you know um, that if they would join forces. Yeah, like it, right? Like it seems like why are the, I get it? You're kind of punching at your own weight class, but is what's the drawback here to them? Is it money? Is it ego? Where do you see the disconnect between your idea and and the reality of the situation? I mean. I don't know this for sure, but I'm sure that there is some disconnect. I'm sure the Pac-12 presidents have got some of their same old biases, right, uh, about academic fit, and institutional uh, collaboration, and all that kind of thing that have been driving their decisions for however many years. Uh, so that's probably part of it. Um, you know, on a on a specific level, it could be that. The Pac-12's got a network, and the Big Twelve doesn't. So, how do the if you're ESPN, how do you how do you merge them on the tier three level? And that's why I think that there's a chance the Pac-12 and the ACC are going to be combined on a tier three level because they both have networks. So, it'd be easy for ESPN to basically gobble up uh, the Pac-12 network and, and fold it into the ACC. But so you know, the Pac-12 and the Big Twelve. The, the, the things they had, the geography was a, a big piece of it, right? And the fact that they weren't the SEC and they weren't the Big Ten, right? Uh, that, but, but ego, a lot of it's what you said, ego at the top and the top being commissioners, the top being the presidents and chancellors. You know, uh, if they had stepped back and seen this whole, the roadmap, you know, uh, now, I didn't ex- necessarily think that this whole process was going to start last year and this year, but it was clearly coming. It was clearly coming. And if they had been proactive and they had put their their biases aside, you know, they would be in much better position right now. Both of them would be stronger together right now to counteract the SEC and the Big Ten, right? I mean, you got a 12 or 16 team playoff coming, probably going to be 16 the way they're talking. You know, you got a, a 22 team, you know, allied Big 12, Pac 12. That's a bit, that's a player for multiple spots in that 16 team playoff. It is a buttress against the Big, the Big Ten and SEC. And the ACC is clearly marginalized in that situation. But the presidents, they never saw it coming. Uh, the commissioners, I don't know how much Larry Scott and Bob Bowlesby really wanted it to work. I think Bowlesby did. Uh, but now we're in this situation where they've been, you know, especially out West, they've been clinging to their, their old biases uh, about academic integrity and all that kind of thing. And, and now we'll see where that gets them. Uh, theoretical right here, because it, it feels like this Brett Yormark is, uh, I, I don't think he's a guy that's just going to sit on his hands here. And, and it sounded like even before he was named the Big 12's commissioner, you know, we were kind of hearing rumblings after they added the four last year. Like, we're not done yet was, was kind of the, the thought. Would it, would it be a good offensive move for the Big 12 to go after San Diego State in the sense that, like, if you're, you're talking Pac-12 right now, if the Pac-12 were to expand, it seemed like that would be – you know, the first call. I had heard, John, that that would be one of the first targets for the Big 12 um, even before everything happened this summer. What, what do you think about that? Oh, I think that, first of all, I think San Diego State is a must for the Pac-12. And I wrote that three weeks ago, that you, they have to take San Diego State. No matter what the academic thing is, 
no matter where the football program is, none of that. They have got to add San Diego State for two reasons. A, a, a campus near L.A., which is still the prime recruiting ground. Uh, also, it's a it's number 27 media market. Now, San Diego's not small. But also, you have got to protect yourself against the Big 12 going after. The Pac-12 sits on its hands and doesn't add San Diego State. The Big 12, that should be the first thing they do uh, is go after San Diego State. And if the Pac-12 loses San Diego after already losing LA to the Big Ten, they lose San Diego to the Big 12, pack it in, pack it in. They get what they deserve, in my opinion. That would be the dumbest strategic move possible. Even if San Diego State doesn't isn't a revenue add, it is a essential defensive play, right? I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, Absolutely. Uh, not having, you know, not double teaming the edge rusher on your quarterback's blind side when that guy is like Chase Young or something, you know, uh, you, you have to do it if you're the Pac-12. And if you don't do it, you're, you're digging your own grave, I think. And the Big 12 would be dumb to not do it. Yeah, I just, I feel like that's, if the four corner schools aren't going to be at play, I feel like that's the first call the Big 12 makes. And and again, John, the reason I say that is, you know, I was hearing little little whispers of that before everything happened this summer that the Big 12 had its yeah. eye on San Diego. Well, they should. They should. You look at that market, they got this, their new stadium, uh, Snapdragon Stadium, is super, super cool. And it seats 35,000, but because of the, you know, San Diego is hoping to get an NFL team back, they built it to expand to 55. So you put them in the Big 12 or the Pac-12, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you're looking, they can expand it, and you're looking at a, a, a real real decent-sized stadium. Plus, the recruiting, I mean, you know, San Diego, for your listeners who don't know, I mean, Marcus Allen, Reggie Bush, Junior Seau, Alex Smith, I mean, that place produces talent. And they got a top 25 basketball program. Uh, it, the school has improved academically a ton. Big media market. You are 90 miles from modern day high school. It's the same distance as, as you know, South Bend, Indiana to Chicago. So uh, it is there for the taking. And the uh, Big 12 should absolutely do it if the Pac-12 doesn't. Last question I have for you, John, again, as I'm trying to kind of wrap my mind around the, the Pac-12 culture thing. I'm a, I'm a I'm a redneck from rural Iowa, man. This is hard for me. I, I uh, <laughs> trying my hardest. Here. I'm from the East Coast. It was hard for me too. <laughs> I actually I went out. I called an Iowa State basketball game in Corvallis a couple years ago and spent a couple nights in uh, Eugene and Corvallis, and I really really enjoyed it. Uh, that I I actually really like it out there. So I'm I'm just kind of messing around, but it is a different world. My my question is a little bit with the UCLA Cal thing. I know that that's very different, but the it, it, this is the vibe I've gotten, and I'm folks. I'm not reporting this. It's just the vibe I've gotten. It seems like Arizona and Colorado would be a little more easy to persuade to make a jump for the Big 12 compared to Arizona State and Oregon. My question to you is, is that even possible? 
Or is this a deal where, you know, Arizona and Arizona State have to be a package deal? We hear about this stuff in realignment all the time, but I feel like it never really comes to fruition, right? Like, people just talk about stuff like that. But, like, is that an obstacle? Or could this be a deal where – I remember when Colorado did it out of nowhere. Uh, they were the ones who kind of started this whole realignment thing for the Big 12. People point a finger at Nebraska, but I, Nebraska was pretty set. Colorado leaves. Nebraska gets spooked. And, boom, the, the Big 10 makes a move. Um, like if Colorado just out of nowhere, could they just leave or is there more to it than, than how I just laid it out? You know, I would put it. And again, I think that all four of those schools, their preference is to stay in the PAC 12. Um, if I were going to rank them in terms of most likely to leave, I would put probably Arizona at the top and then it's a gap. I don't know that Colorado is in the same at least let's put it this way. I'm not sure Colorado fans and it, the people who are uh, influencing the decision are necessarily in the same space as, as their counterparts in, in Tucson. Uh, and I think Utah and Arizona state are, are, you know, much, much more intent on, on staying in the PAC 12. Could the Arizona schools separate? They could. I think that I, I think they could. Yeah. I don't know that they're, they're locked together. Um, if you're the Big 12, you probably want at least two, right? You want probably want even numbers. So you need two of them. You need all four of them. You need one of them plus San Diego State. Maybe you take one of them plus Memphis or something like that, especially on the basketball side. So I don't know how it's going to all play out, but it is, you know, it's all on the margins because there's just not that much difference on the revenue front. And again, Arizona's got, tens of thousands of alumni in California and so does Arizona state and Utah and Colorado, right? Colorado moved to the PAC 12 because they have so many alumni in in California. That was a big part of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And that hasn't changed. So some of the the institutional issues that the presidents and chancellors have got to answer to, uh, haven't changed at all. Right. So, I don't know what's going to happen. I just think it's, I think it's close. And, and I, my sense is that either all four of those schools are going to stay or all four are going to leave, right? They're either going to have a reason to stay or they're going to have no reason to stay and go together. Uh, but uh, I don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's close. It's, it's close. The, the two, the two conferences are not they're, they're They have much more in common than they have things than they have differences. Well, John, it, it's been a real pleasure. You're you're the best out west. Uh, how, real quick, just because I'm a media geek, when did you start the the hotline? I, I'm a. I, it's a great brand. It's interesting to have watched it grown. You're, it's syndicated now in all sorts of publications. When did you start this kind of brand as the the Wilner Hotline? Uh, you know, I appreciate your interest. Uh, Twenty seventeen. Okay, I started, and and the. The interesting piece is I started doing this, the hotline and covering the Pac-12 on a full-time basis as it was starting to deteriorate, right? I mean, if you think about Pac-12 football, you had Oregon in the playoff in the national championship game in 2014. You had Washington in the playoff in 2016. The slippage has come since since 2017. So that's that's kind of been the, the overlap with, with this, with what I'm doing 
And so it has been interesting to watch the, the kind of steady deterioration of the, of the Pac-12's brand and its competitive success. And you can go back and you can kind of, well, here's a spot where things started to fall apart. And here's another spot. And here's another spot. And, oh, yeah, I can see why USC's leaving. You know, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, and it, all, it certainly all was because right? UCLA wasn't going to leave without SC. But you can you can trace it. You can you, there's like five or six things that have happened along the way that you know if you with hindsight you can see how we got to this point. You um, also just started doing a new podcast too. I wanted to give you an opportunity to pub that. Um, Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, and this is great, too, for Big 12 fans. It's not um, just for for Pac-12 fans because you and John do a lot of the realignment stuff, right? Yeah, John Canzano and I are starting a podcast, Canzano and Wilner. Uh, It's available on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud. Uh, And we're going to talk about realignment. I mean, part of that, I don't know if you're finding this, Chris, but, like, football start, right? (laughs) I mean, out here um, (laughs) – Most, you know, most of the teams will be in full pads by the end of this week and football's just a few weeks away. And so I feel like, boy, I got to cover the season that's coming up. But at the same time, Pac-12 is facing this existential crisis. So it's a very busy August and and our podcast is going to, we're going to talk about both, right? We're not going to ignore what's going on in the field, but at the same time, you know, this, this other thing is, uh, is, is we're talking about because people are interested and because it's important. And, and you know, I, I don't want to ramble, but the, the piece that is important that gets lost is the impact that realignment, consolidation in college football could have on thousands of Olympic sports athletes at schools all across the country, ACC, Big 12, Pac-12. You know, if, if revenue gets, gets reduced because of what's going on in the SEC and the Big 10, you know, that money's got to come from somewhere, right? The money to pay for your golf team or swimming, volleyball, it's got to come from somewhere. And those presidents aren't going to take that money out of the engineering department and, and use it for athletics. So that's, that's something that people need to watch. And, and, you know, that's to me, that's what's really at stake here is the opportunity for all these Olympic sports athletes. It could end up withering away in some cases if, if you know, sports get cut or downsized uh, because of this consolidation. It's all being driven at the very top level by the, the TV networks because the schools need the money, right? Yeah, I, I tell this story a lot I'm on on my shows, and I, I used to do play-by-play for Iowa State women's basketball for years. And um, when, you know, we would, we would land in Morgantown, get off the bus, and the whole team, you know, they have basically – um, study hour where they, you know, they go and they have tutors and they, they're, they're real student athletes. Like I, that, yeah. that absolutely does get lost. And, and I, I'm, I'm with you. That's a, that's a real concern for me as well. And I mean, have you heard like, as we real quick on like the UCLA USC, like, I mean, what, what is that going to look like? Because that, that I, I don't know. That's really difficult. Waiting to hear. Everybody's waiting to see what the schedule is, right? Are they, are they going to send uh you know, is the baseball team going to go play a three-game series in Bloomington, stay at a Ramada for a week, and then play a three-game series in, in State College? I don't know. But that's <laughs> uh, that's going to be a fascinating piece, right? I mean, they're going to have the money to charter, but you can't buy sleep, right? And, and especially if you're, you know, UCLA, 
uh, where, you know, the SC is a different deal. Private school, football has been driving the bus there for 60, 70 years. UCLA's Olympic sports are much more part of the academic or athletic culture. And I don't know how that's going to work out. And I, I think it could, they could end up losing a little bit of their competitive advantage with this move. We'll have to see, but, but it is absolutely a fascinating piece. And it's one of the reasons why they're getting so much blowback uh, from the UC regents and the governor is because of the impact this could have on Olympic sports athletes. You know, football is one thing you charter in, you're there for one night in your home, but you got to, you know, you're, you're like Hawaii if you're going yeah. one week in Bloomington and one week in State College, right? It just feels to me to, like, if Congress ever wants to pick this up, it's just going to be harder and harder for the, you know, some of the decisions that are being made for college athletics to keep up with the whole tax exempt thing. And I mean, it feels yeah. like you're running out of reasons to let these, <laughs> let these institutions, you know, parade around like they are. You are absolutely. But at the same time, and I know you, you want to, uh, we need to wrap this up, but no, we're good. I, I'll keep you same, for two hours. If, you, if you'll have me, <laughs> I would, I would do that. Except I got to get my kid to camp here. Okay. <laughs> uh, but the thing, the thing is, you're, you're totally right, but at the same time, the model for college athletics is, is built in a way that an institution with two money-making subsidiaries has to support, they have to support 16, 18, 20 money-losing subsidiaries, right? Yeah, great point. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen in American business. When Kavanaugh's concurring opinion last summer in the Austin case, and he's, you know, he's saying that it's on a... You know, it's un-American, it's, it's anti-market. Well, yeah, but college athletics is anti-market because if it was uh, like the private sector, none of these schools would have Olympic sports, right? Yeah, because they exactly. all lose money. Mm-hmm. So you're forcing football and men's basketball to, to subsidize all the other sports. Well, of course, they have, the schools have got to do anything they can to, get the, to, to make that last dollar. And if Fox or ESPN dangles those extra 10 million of course they got to take it because that 10 million can fund three of these sports uh and 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 get the president off the hook with the faculty it's it, the whole model is broken the whole model suggested there was going to be this massive collision it's just that the collision has come you know a few years earlier than i thought it would john thank you so much for your time get that uh, kid to camp I really appreciate it. And if you ever need anything on the Big 12 side, you feel free to let me know, okay? I appreciate that. that have been a lot of fun. Thanks for, for reaching out, Chris. Really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, and if, hey, if the, if the leagues ever merge and you find yourself in central Iowa, I'll take you out for dinner, all right? Absolutely. You're on. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your time. Take care. All right. That right there is the great John Wilner. Uh, he is uh, by far the best, uh, the best there is out west. I hope you guys got... I wanted to give everybody more perspective on the Pac-12 and everything that's going on, and that really gave it to me. Uh, I'm really glad that John gave me 30 minutes of his time today to do that. I learned a lot, and I hope that you guys did too. Please do me a favor and and tweet at him, at Wilner Hotline, and thank him for coming on the Cyclone Fanatic podcast with me. Uh, Show him that not all Big 12 and Iowa State fans are, are jerks. I can tell you that the majority of stuff we get on the Twitter can be nasty. Uh, He's a good guy. 
appreciate his time. I appreciate you all listening. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll have plenty more here on the Cyclone Fanatic podcast feed later this week. Have a great first, uh, I guess it's the second week of August. More fall camp coverage all week long at CycloneFanatic.com.